Hey Cinecasters, it's another week, another competition. This week we're giving away a copy of Wes Anderson's The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou on Blu-ray, courtesy of UK Criterion and Sony Pictures at Home. The disc features a 4K digital transfer approved by Wes Anderson with a 5.1 DTS HD Master Audio soundtrack, audio commentary by Wes Anderson and co-writer Noah Baumbach, the This Is An Adventure documentary chronicling the film's production, tons of interviews, videos of Sue George performing the music of David Bowie, and so much more. If you'd like to enter to win this copy, pop us an email at podcastatprincecharlescinema.com and tell us your favorite Bowie song Sue George performs in the film. We'll also be running this competition on Twitter and Instagram at the PCC Podcast in the coming days, so increase your chances to win by keeping an eye out for the post when they drop and enter there too. This week's competition closes at 10 a.m. on Tuesday the 27th of July 2021. Be sure to follow UK Criterion at UK Criterion on Twitter and Instagram to keep up with all the latest releases. Good luck. Play it up for him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if the uh, bent over a toilet seat, <laughs> <they're just laughs> wrapped uh, up in multiple throats. You don't look good, man. Don't look good at all. Phil, I, I've just gotten back from Cannes. I saw a movie there. It was called How to Ruin Your Holiday Two Days Before <laughs> You're Supposed to Go Home. Wow, very lifelike. <laughs> the subtitle was I Got Coronavirus. Oh, I think it was that new Woody Allen film. Made me Ew. sick. Sick. If the you got off light though, that's all you got. <laughs> you do you think he was at Cannes? Does does he still get invited to those things? He still makes maybe, movies. Yeah, maybe in disguise. Yeah. Like, you know, like the glasses and the mustache and the fake nose. He's just dressed as Spike Lee. <laughs> I would, yeah. I mean, I would, I would say that <laughs> that's uncalled down. for. But uh, Spike Lee, like, has taken up for my man quite a few times. That, and when I say my man, I don't mean gen. my man. I'm just saying it is your term. man, your your uh, personal you know, friend, that dude. that dude. <laughs> but he's not that dude. He's just like you know that dude I was talking about. You know, yeah, yeah, like, piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god phil oh i'm sweaty it happened it happened i'm sweaty After I'm full a, a year of us mocking it yeah uh, i've got the coronavirus <gasps> i don't feel good <laughs> after a year of like oh i don't feel well it's not corona it finally happened it finally happened. i got the test back and it's definitely, definitely covered <laughs> <laughs> I saw that and I was like, that's funny. And then I saw the reply and like, oh shit. And then I messaged you. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh man. I was like, where could I, you know, I knew you go in Scotland and it's like, oh fuck, yeah. now you're trapped yeah. up there in an IKEA showroom. Yes, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it feels like. I mean, it looks lovely, obviously. Yeah. 
I, I told Phil before we started to record that I feel like I'm in uh, Varg Vikernes's Norwegian prison. He's the man who killed Euronymous. It's old black metal, death metal bullshit. You know the story. You know the story. You know, Lord that Lords of tell. Chaos. Uh, it was a yeah, movie. I uh, I'm stuck in this really nice room, but and everything's like made of wood, Norwegian vibes, or uh, you know Scandinavian because. My wife's father is a joiner and he just made everything in this room. <laughs> he probably made the room. I don't know. He probably made the floors. I don't know. With his bare hands. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's very nice, but I'm stuck in a room. I got a window and it's nothing but loud Glaswegians getting wild. I can hear him. Yeah. I can hear him. You've caught, I mean, you got to tell the public, how are you doing? What's it like? <sighs> Up and down. Actually, before we were going to record, I was up and feeling, down to tough. I was, I was feeling, <laughs> I was feeling okay this morning. I was like, "Yeah, let's record. Give me something to do." Um, <laughs> and then, and then, like, there was a knock at the door, and uh, it was an ice cream. And I bent down to pick it up, and I felt like shit after I lifted my body up. I was just like, huh. <laughs> it was a change yeah. in pressure. You yeah, know? yeah. Your body was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Too quick of a movement. There might have been a little like <laughs> clearly like elation. Cornetto well. was worth it. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, like your body could sense that you were slightly elated by like the fact that there was like a cold Cornetto there. You're like, oh, it's yeah. hot outside, and it's like beaming into this window and stuff, and it's really nice. And I had the window open, and then like I was like, oh, all I need is an ice cream. Open the door. There's an ice cream, and I like open the ice cream, and uh, as soon as I like start to think about eating it, my body goes, "Fuck you! You're gonna have a bad rest of your day." Uh, and everything's downhill from now. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess the fever's coming back on. Ugh, fun. It's getting hot now. It's okay. You have, yeah, the voice. Is My voice rough. is shot. I can't shot. smell anything. No sense of smell. My taste has been up and down. We'll see what happens here next time. I can't wait. I don't know. The review oh. part would be interesting. Do you want me to do the intro? I don't want you to blow your voice out. Uh, sure. What a nice change of pace. We haven't done it yet, so go for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, welcome to the new podcast to the cast. It hasn't been new for like host. three weeks. It's a new, damn it. <laughs> I know, you keep forgetting. Uh, With your host, Jonathan Foster. Hiya. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, your healthy, not thick co-host, Thalo boy, <laughs> it's Phil. Oh, How are man. you, Phil? I'm okay. Phil. How are you? <laughs> I'll just do the whole thing. Phil, I, I didn't <laughs> even I'm like. Up, bro. <laughs> you little, you're about to fall down. I was just, I was just I laughing. I wish people could see my view. I was laughing just thinking about how I didn't even like. A lot of times I'll write down something stupid to call you, like that deals with the movie. Yeah. And I just didn't even do it this time. I'm really no. worried that like the episode is going to be shit because I was writing it while I was just like. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, that will make it better. I mean, you said it very well. Our last episode, which we kind of bullshit through, it's a top tier episode. Yeah. I've, I was listening to it early, early, earlier, and it was very funny. Yeah. Especially the part about the haircut. <laughs> really enjoyed that bit i forgot about that and i was like that that's what makes it that's the stuff we don't plan yeah that just come out naturally no today will be like that yeah we're gonna have a good time 
only reason why I'm doing this, ladies and gentlemen, I, we're not joking at the beginning. I do, I did, I did test. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not just for like a coronavirus. Poorly, yeah, that, yeah like that's a, not funny. In poor taste joke. Yeah, I did, I did test uh, positive for coronavirus. I'm in Scotland still. Phil and I um, had planned to record on this day weeks ago before we both went on holiday. So we're back from holiday, except I am still in Scotland because I can't leave. <laughs> Uh, Phil's <laughs> back from Wales. How was your holiday? Well, no good, COVID. Thank you. No COVID. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we went to Dully, I think it's called. Like a little beach night town in Wales. Nick Cardiff, like half an hour outside of Cardiff. It's nice. Got to hang out by the beach. It's a bit too cold to go swimming. Um, but the last day we were there was really sunny. So I nice. put my feet in. It was nice. But they, you know, it was much needed just, uh, just to look at the ocean. Yeah. You know, it was nice. I Sounds haven't good. seen it in a while. Um, yeah, it was good. Um, and I made it back to London. Yeah. How was your trip? Did you get to enjoy any of your trip? I did. Before I did. it happened? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've only been holed up for like the last four days or something. So I still have a, another week left. <laughs> like, whoop, of sitting in this room in isolation. But uh, In yeah. my room. <laughs> I, yeah, I, you know, got here, hung around glasgow for a few days went to presswick for a day like which is by the beach which was nice nice um just seeing you know julia's family and stuff made a cameo yeah. in indiana jones 5 oh yeah yeah i saw that was fucking I, cool man yeah dude i don't even remember my holiday like because it's, <laughs> it's been so shitty the last couple of days um yeah. yeah no that was really cool we, we were walking down the street one day in glasgow and we saw all these american flags and it was like, like traveled in time yeah <laughs> it was the day after i think fourth of july and i was we were just like are they taking this down was there like a fourth of july parade in glasgow for some reason this makes sense yeah and then uh yeah we we went the next day i think because we were like walking around town again and we were like hey let's ask someone so we went to the security guard and he was just oh, i can't tell you and then he was like but, usually I, can't. but, but I will He's like, oh, it's Indiana Jones 5. And then he was like, so it doesn't really matter that I told you, though, because it's already on the internet. So we were like, all right, cool. So we looked yeah. it up, confirmed it was definitely Indiana Jones 5. I don't know why I had to confirm it. No subtitle yet? Do you trust Do you trust security guards? Yeah. I, mean, I don't trust the police, but I trust <laughs> movie that security guards. Oh, I mean, he's a he's a hired hand just yeah. <laughs> on the street. He's not a movie star. That's the most fun he gets to do. The <laughs> yeah. only... Tr- thing that they entrust him with is the title of the movie I've been yeah. in that position and I'll be like yeah. yeah I'll tell you I don't give a fuck because most people the <laughs> stuff I've worked on nobody gives a shit and it's like why yeah. is this a secret but Indiana Jones 5 it's fine yeah, there's yeah. no subtitle yet not, not Indiana yet, Jones not 5 and, and the death of Harrison Ford <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna die he's gonna be 80 man I wasn't really sure what they were doing because like when I was walking through the sets that well, I mean because it was just buildings in Glasgow and they used Glasgow a lot I can't wait mm-hmm. to get to the Hobbs and Shaw episode uh, that Ari and I need to record because, my God, I've got a lot to say about that. So you guys got to <laughs> listen to Franchise. You know, uh, it'll be here before you know it. Hobbs and Shaw. I mean, shit, we're already mm-hmm. on like like episode four this Three, week. So four. Jesus Christ. I was walking through and like all the buildings and stuff were like, you know, everything was all set up like weird. And it was just like, oh, this all looks like World War Two. So are they doing like, a, you know, is this like flashbacks? I don't know. And then I was Maybe. like, it can't be Vietnam because that would be like the next logical step in like chronological, like chronological. For order. Indiana Jones. Yeah. yeah. 
His four was set in like the 50s or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so I kept walking and I saw this thing and it said something about Vietnam. I was like, oh, so it is set during Vietnam. Because <laughs> it was this whole thing about like welcoming soldiers home and that's the vibe that was looking like. So I think that's what they're doing. Okay, it's, it's like, like a homecoming parade. Yeah. Uh, so who knows? It's directed by James Mangold, it seems as well. Guy Which is good, uh, Logan, Logan, man. Yeah, so that, that I'll give be that dude a shot. First one yeah. not directed by Spielberg, though. So it's, uh, yeah, salute to uh, Spielberg. If, but... Well, if Luca still had a grubby little hand on it, what they? Yeah, I, d <laughs> I doubt it. I mean, that's got to be a Disney thing, now, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. he's long gone. Yeah. All right, we'll see if we can get through this episode. Like I said, I've got COVID. No reason why I did this. This is just God, you're I've being got a nothing. dead horse. We get it. I got nothing to do. <laughs> like, and I was like, Phil, please, let's just record, please. I've got a microphone coming for us, so that I had to fight with for twenty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> you've not. yeah, literally, you've caught us at the tail end of Jonathan <laughs> wrestling with his second microphone yeah i had to, to I ordered like so we hope you appreciate the amount yeah. of effort he's gone through while yeah. thick i haven't done anything <laughs> i just I, I don't know like i watched I just, a movie that's enough I, we could have easily like you know the smart thing would have been for me to just delay but i have nothing yeah. to do i'm stuck in this room for another week and i was just like if i could record an episode and pretend things are normal and then edit the episode it will give me shit to do so I'm not Fair just enough. sitting on my ass, which I'll still be sitting on my ass, but I'm not going to be sitting on my ass watching like Boy Meets World all day long or I'm almost done. That sounds like a dream though. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you forget how good the latest seasons are. Yeah. I prefer the college year, to be honest. Dude, it gets really weird. <laughs> like, it does. Like yeah, it, it just decides, really okay, we're just going to like riff off of like modern teen movies and like, uh, just have really strange episodes every every other episode. Yeah, like so. the, they did the Scream episode. Yeah. Not Scream. Like, I know what you did episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they did like a, they did a Truman Show episode as well. They did. <laughs> That's a Very good weird. one. Very weird. Yeah. Uh, would it like young male get acquainted with the universe? Yeah. <laughs> good shit. So you're working through the COVID, man. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, impressed. I hope everybody is impressed. Yeah, I'm doing it for Happy you guys, you. sort of. I'm actually doing it for myself, but that's what this whole podcast has been about the whole time. Anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, we're in week seven here of our little arc. Oh, man, we've really started to pluck along here. Paying the films off. Yeah, we got to finish now. Wes Anderson and Paul Thomas Anderson, and we're getting into the, you know, we're getting even more into the thick of it. You getting know, gritty. It's getting... It's it's a heart and this week, Phil. It's a fucking rank them. We gotta rank them at the end. Shit, shit, it's a hard one. It's time for Anderson versus Anderson. As you can see, we've had our eye on you for some time now, Mister Anderson. Anderson, Mister Anderson, Mister Anderson, Mister Anderson, Mister Anderson, Mister Anderson, Mister Anderson. Welcome back. Last week, Phil and I plunged into the vat of chocolate pudding that was Adam Sandler's Punch Drunk Brain with Paul Thomas Anderson's fourth feature, Punch Drunk Love. And now we plunge into a sea of more daddy issues in search of the elusive Jaguar Shock in Wes Anderson's fourth film, 
What is it? The Life Aquatic of Steve Nitu. With Steve. Am I saying that right? With Steve. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly, Cousteau and his cronies invented the idea of putting walkie-talkies into the helmet. But we made ours with a special rabbit ear on the top so we could pipe in some music. The Belafonte, home to Team Sisu. Scaled crew of deep sea divers, adventurers, documentary filmmakers. Action! Led by internationally renowned oceanographer Captain Steve Sisu, expert on every aspect of marine life. Swamp leeches, everybody! Check for swamp leeches! Nobody else got hit? I'm the only one with steel. But there remains one form of life about which Captain Sisu knows very little. You're supposed to be my son, right? I want you on Team Sisu. The answer's yes. Well, it's got to be. I'll order you a red cap and a speedo. Oh! This will be Team Sisu's most ambitious adventure to date. I'm going to go on an overnight drunk, and in 10 days, I'm going to set out to find the shark that ate my friend and destroy it. What would be the scientific purpose of killing it? Revenge. You must swear, legally swear, that you'll not kill that shark. Split into two groups. I'll take Ned, Ogata, and Wolodarski. Thanks. Thanks a lot for not taking me. We're being led on an illegal suicide mission. I'm gonna fight you, Steve. You never say, I'm gonna fight you, Steve. You just smile and act natural, and then you sucker punch it. Are you finding what you were looking for out here with me? I hope so. Quiet out there tonight. Can you hear the jack whales singing? Beautiful. I wonder what they're saying. Well, that was the sludge tanker over there, but there you go. The deeper you go, the weirder life gets. When his longtime partner is devoured by a rare shark, was he was he swallowed whole? <laughs> Jode. Jode. He was Jode. <laughs> Renowned oceanographer Steve Zisu, played by Bill Murray, swears to give vengeance upon the beast while filming his next deep sea adventure. In addition to his regular team of Klaus, William Defoe. What a great performance. Pele, mm-hmm. Sue George, Vladimir. Noah Taylor. There we go. We were talking about him a few episodes back, and here he is, finally in a Wes Anderson film. We got Vikram Weris Aluwalia. I think that's how you say his name. Aluwalia? Hmm. I'm sorry. I can't say names. And a bunch of the interns. COVID. Steve is joined on his boat by Ned Owen Wilson, a man who believes Zisu to be his father, and Jane. Kate Blanchett, a journalist pregnant by a married man. As Team Zisu travels the sea, tensions run high when they are attacked by pirates and perhaps more traumatically run into various figures from Zisu's past, including his estranged wife, Eleanor, 
Angelica Houston, and her former lover, Alistair Hennessy, Jeff Goldblum. The Goldblums. <laughs> it's the 2004 comedy drama directed by Wes Anderson and co-written by Wes Anderson and who? who? Noah Baumbach. Here he is. He makes a cameo. He's got a new well. boy. Yeah. yeah. Hot takes off the gate, Phil. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Look, you know, I'm sympathetic to your condition right now. He's going to rail on it. He's and I don't, want to, I don't want to make you feel worse. You still hate it? I don't hate it. I don't hate this movie. I just don't. I. Uh, it's fine. It's good. It just, I don't, I don't get it. There's something about it that I can't engage with. I, it just doesn't, it just doesn't do it for me. I don't, I don't really understand. And it's really, it bothers me because I love being in this movie yeah. so much. I love this world. <laughs> this is one of my favorite, like, Wes Anderson constructed world. I love the set. I love the animatronic, like, fish. I love the half boat set. I love the cast. It's all good, but it just doesn't. <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't come together. It has so much going for me, for it. Sorry, it has so much going for it, but it just feels like it feels like what people were saying about Magnolia to PTA. It's like Wes Anderson at the height of his power, just completely falling to a known hubris, throwing everything he can, giving way too much money, and it just doesn't come together. It just. It. I think this is the point. And then there's still stuff I like after this, but this is like bordering on like the movies where it's just like. We're just lifting names and places and title cards, and it's a lot of people, and then you know there's not many strong arcs to engage with, and the stuff I can, you know, end badly. Like the one thing I like in this movie, end badly. <laughs> you know, yeah. and like I'll spoil that later. So it's good. It's not my favorite. I'm. I know there's two camps yeah. with Life Aquatic, and I'll fall right in the middle. It's a good movie. But it just doesn't hit for me. Um, but I don't hate it. It's not bad. It's fucking far from bad. But not my favorite either. But over to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think like the way you describe that like is kind of how my rewatch of the Royal Tenenbaums went. Like where fair enough, yeah. I feel like I, I love that film. It's great, but also it didn't like hit fully like I thought it was going to um, on that rewatch. But this one. I think like it has a, I have a, like a really big love for it because I think it was probably like maybe the first Wes Anderson film I saw. Like I mm -hmm. saw it like roughly around the time it came out with some friends. And then like, then I went back and watched like the Royal Tenenbaums and Rushmore and Bottle Rocket and all that and caught up. And then by the time Darjeeling Limited came out, I think I went to the cinema to see that. And that was like, you know, the first one in cinema I saw. But I think like the way you said it as well is the, the reason why I do like it because I feel like um, and it is one of my favorites is because it like he he puts like uh, all the stuff he's been working on into this one. And I feel like it's the, mm -hmm. the one that like it's the last one that can work like this. And I get really confused of like how people really, really love, you know, Grand Budapest because I feel like yeah, Grand Budapest is like out of control. With yeah, all way stuff. more than this. Yeah, and I haven't, I haven't quite figured out why people like it so much, and I'm interested once we get to the rewatch, because this is the last one I feel like uh, where it feels like you can really contain what he's doing, because he doesn't quite go that hard on the next one, yeah, which is again, a great another yeah. great film, and I think it's like you know, um, but that's where it kind of feels like it's the tipping point for me. Mm -hmm. uh, in this one, I I feel like because of 
the sets and the, the, the characters and like the weird, yeah, stop motion fish and uh, the, the costumes cool. are insane. Like everything's it's so insane. Cool. And you know why I think I love it like a lot is because I want to be there. Like, and you, know, you kind of, I guess you kind of said that, but like yeah. literally in another life, I could have been like a fucking marine biologist out on the sea studying animals. But Steve Zissou's ship makes it feel like I can be me and I can still be on that ship. And that's what I love about it. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. I could be like a Sue George playing fucking guitar. Guitar right on the top. On the top. And just like. What is this? A map? (laughs) (laughs) I could be doing whatever I want to do on this ship and I could still fuck around and pretend I'm like, I know what I'm doing when it comes to being on a ship and looking at marine life and making a movie. Like it's a love letter to making movies as well. Which I is love a that great well. like way to watch this film. It's like they are making movies, and you could see like everything's being done on the ship, every little compartment, like the set, like I'll, which I've got some a little bit of notes about the ships themselves that they use for this film. Were actual there were some actual ships, obviously, like mm-hmm. were the Belafonte. It was like this this old ship that they were able to get their hands on and just convert it into like. The, you know, for the exterior shots and stuff and anytime they're out on the sea. But then mm-hmm. there was, uh, you know, of course, there was Hennessy's ship as well, which was like some crazy ass. I think like it might have been borrowed for, or based on some like Russian ship or whatever, but they War borrowed ship, it yeah. from like NATO or something. So it's like yeah. some crazy ass ship. So they had these actual ships. But then like the interiors that you see, like when he does that, like, oh, let me tell you about my ship, like my, my boat. Oh, boat. I love that which is such a great I love that sequence. Like they're all broken up into these, like it's just a massive set and it's just like, yeah. And he walked through it. They like, they like, they put it through its patent. He had like an actual emotional argument Yeah, and they go and it leads all the way out onto the top of the boat. I love that bit. Yeah. That bit's insane. It's so cool. And like, you know, you, you see like everybody doing everything like, you know, going back to like the filmmaking thing, you've got like a whole editing. Recording bay. the sound <laughs> stuff. Yeah, you yeah. got the whole sound overdub set like station. Like it's so cool. Like and I think that's why I like it, because it's the most twee I will allow his film to get. I feel like that's like if it gets any more, then it's too much. And I feel like it gets a little too much in later films. And mm-hmm. while the next, like he does have one more, like really good one after uh, our next film that we'll get to for him in a couple of weeks, he pulls back and it's because of this film, I think that he pulls I back. I think so. Like it's, it's not like pulled back in the sense, like, cause he takes a pretty daring, like sort of trip with that film, but definitely that's still an experimental movie yeah, for him, but uh, it's a little bit more contained like focused and focused whereas this one he's just like getting a lot of this stuff out there and i think it's like cool because the way he's like it's like it's a dreamers film man like for me like i want to be on it's for the dreamer i want to be i want to be yeah yeah i love it i love i'm with you with all that i love the setting yeah i love the world i love the music and i love the characters but yeah it's just like I don't know. And it's still, and I appreciate it's still rooted in like the stuff we've been talking about. Daddy issue. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. 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 And you have Bill Murray, like just a piece of shit dad, but like, <laughs> like even, but even that it's just not, it doesn't really, he just an awesome. Like there's not much redeemable about Steve. Nittu. There's moments, but I don't think they're particularly earned. And even the dad thing doesn't really 
go anywhere. Let's sort of write it off. Like everything just sort of go away. And if that's the point, I could, like I can kind of get down with that. Like I like that subversive nature to a film sometimes when things don't play out a certain way. Yeah. But it feels like it's meant to. It feels like it's supposed to elicit a certain reaction out of you by the end, and it just it just doesn't it doesn't get that out of me. Oh, we, uh, we can, you know, no, go into no, more detail I, I think it's fine bit by bit. I want to, I want yeah. to like it, but then there's just a, a scene where it's like, the fuck with that? Like that came out of nowhere. Even bits I know you like, I know you like the fucking search and destroy bit, but I think that <laughs> it's so out of place in this movie. It doesn't make any sense for the character or the movie. It's like he was told to put in a gunfight scene, and it just it like the one at the end at least feels somewhat like in character it's at least shot like a Wes Anderson gunfight but like just fucking pulling out the gun and just like I mean he only really shoots one person I think (laughs) yeah and it's and it's got that it's so fucking dry about it because that's when Goldblum showed up and he's like just throw him over the other side (laughs) (laughs) so it's like just moment to moment I'm like I love this and then I'm like that doesn't rub me the right way maybe it just goes too far in certain bits yeah where he's just wholly unlikable or that character seemed to go nowhere. And I like that character or that didn't feel earned. I don't know. I've, I'm sort of in two minds about yeah. this movie. I, wa- I want to I get, get it. into it more. Like, I think like with Zisu, I, I, you know, cause it's Bill Murray and he's so good at playing those characters like that. I feel like I, I really like the way he plays the character because it can yeah, really yeah, only well be him playing it because there are a lot of things that are like you could tell it's dated that they put into this film there's a lot of like sort of homophobic slurs being thrown around the way he talked about jane yeah you know it's just like and then at the end it sort of like uh tries to redeem itself with that whole like you know like well everyone's sort of gay or half gay or whatever it is that he says you know half gay (laughs) (laughs) which i think uh wes anderson said that a lot of people did appreciate that like they say they appreciate that line sentiment Um, sure and i appreciate the ending in general like the idea of you can get everything you want and still be unhappy yeah fix the thing in him i like that yeah but i don't i don't know if like the, the, the running thing with like the movie you know people don't like it newest movie even Jane, you know, Jane said that Kate Blanchett, like, oh, I felt like it was a little staged. Yeah. I think it's the way oh, she put dude, it. that scene. It's a great scene where she keeps turning yeah, the record I'll, off and on. We'll talk and about he that scene really later. Upset. But then, but then they'll show, well, we watch the old movies, their golden age, but they're bad, right? They're meant, they're also really yeah. staged and yeah. really forced. So I don't, also don't understand that. I'm like, then what is it? It's just, they were younger and, the kids that were into this society are now grown up and they've aged out of it. I mean, I guess Ned is that kid. Yeah, but look He's at Star Wars. Members. You know? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what? <laughs> no one likes the new shit and they always say it sucks, but it's like you've aged out of it's it. It's the same. As your, you know what I mean? And also... That's a very, very good point. And, yeah. you know, it's like, I think like people like, Wes Anderson or like, haven't changed. You've changed, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think Wes Anderson's coming from a thing of like, he's obviously a fan of Jacques Cousteau and like, he's <laughs> riffing off yeah, of that yeah. tremendously. But I also, I never look sure. at Steve Zissou as like, like I can't take any of the stuff to be that serious. Like, uh, like, like the scenes of any sort of like 
badassery or whatever, which I are, yeah, yeah. are my favorite scenes because they're just absurd and like they don't they make absurd. sense. But nothing about Steve Zissou makes sense. Nothing about his whole operation makes sense. Like, and I, I just, I think I come from it with that suspension of like the whole thing's so stupid that it's like a suspension of disbelief like mm. you know it's just like you just go for it and like just jump in like because otherwise it's like it's it's really silly like uh you gotta jump just... in the deep end <laughs> full joke water joke bill mary jumping off bill. the diving board and rushmore joke um, yeah and he does he does that again yeah, yeah. excellent shot <laughs> however, however the fuck they did that Look great. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool shots, and I think a lot of these like things that Looked were done amazing. Are crazy or um a Roman Coppola actually. So he was involved. So really? Yeah. A lot of this crazy stuff. Couple of connection. Out. Yeah, couple of connections. Uh our boy Petros did an episode on Life Aquatic as well. So if you want more after you get done with us and whatever my COVID brain says in the next <laughs> five minutes, head over there. Coppola Connection. If you want to hear a not um, COVID version. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think we there's no reason for us to kind of keep going back and forth over like little minute things like Yeah, yeah, yeah I totally. get what you're saying and um but yeah, I don't know. It's it is like a weird one. I don't I can see why people would would like be torn on it and not really like be up for it where other and then other people would. It's it, cuz it is like such a strange one. It's like a mm. I'm glad it's a strange one. Yeah. I'm very happy yeah, that, like, you, that I, it's been made. I get it with those bits that you're talking about as well. And I think like uh, that was a lot of it probably could have come down to it being like, you know, Wes Anderson and Noah Baumbach's first time working together and uh, not quite, you know, gelling just yeah, yet. Yeah. Like in, you know, it, it seems like Wes Anderson works really well if he has someone to work with, um, but he's not like, you know, he wasn't working with Owen Wilson again. So, yeah, who knows? I don't know. But obviously one of the biggest influences of the Life Aquatic was one of Wes Anderson's frequently referenced childhood heroes, the renowned oceanographer and adventurer Jacques Cousteau, to whom the film is dedicated. Many elements in the film mirror Cousteau's real life, including Zissou's ship, the Belafonte, which is a reference to Harry Belafonte, who sang Calypso music, which mirrors Cousteau's vessel, the Calypso. There you go. We made it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, uh, Steve Zissou's had a mini sub, a gyrocopter, and a research balloon. It's insane. I love the little submarine with the name crossed out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, Cousteau's uh, crew, like the Zissou Society, wore red knit caps and these, like, blue uniforms. And his son, Felipe, was tragically killed in a plane crash. Wow, he really... He just went for did it. Did it. Yeah. He rocking went for it. Those, those outfits at the end, they look like they work at Mondo Burger. <laughs> yeah. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Don't mess with the Kurt. <laughs> what was that's it like? Kurt. Going in the grinder. I can't remember if that's what it is. It's something like that. You keep mentioning this grinder. Is that literal grinder? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Another inspiration for the story was a single image Wes Anderson had of seeing the inner workings of a boat cut in half which was inspired by these images seen in like world book encyclopedia or time life books those big encyclopedias you open them up and you'd have those big ships with all the like you know compartments, compartments cut up so he created that in real life and the massive set measured 150 feet long and 40 feet high 
And, you know, basically they refer to it like this. And I thought of this when I was watching it. It's like watching a play. And I love it like, yeah. because like a poorly acted play. Yeah. Cause like most of the time, <laughs> most of the time, if you were to see that in a film, it'd be very weird. But for some reason, I feel like in this film, it like just adds so much to it. Like that's what I mean yeah. about the quirkiness and the, the that's where it, of works. It. it works, but it's like, I don't know why I feel like it's, it's like the last time this is going to work like this. When he uses it to show you stuff that would look otherwise weird in a normal movie, like he can use it to get away with showing that's the perfect way to show them. Yeah. And any other movie, it would look weird. It's when it start. I don't know, maybe start applying it to too many things at once. And when it's not a very relatable world, like this is something we're interested in. And like marine biology is like a fascinating, like backdrop and it's inspired by like it real life, you know, like childhood hero. And I like that you can feel the passion coming out of it. But when it's like, about a hotel i don't really give a shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah or like it's like the new one and about like a newspaper it's riffing off the new york Times. like yeah. i don't really know how much i'm gonna give a shit yeah, yeah. so i don't know maybe maybe that's a problem with me not with speaking of which there was a lot of uh buzz about it seems like it's really split the uh <laughs> The reviews. <laughs> the reviews, yeah. I'm going to see it. So, yeah, yeah, I'm expecting I mean, will, another Grand Budapest. Yeah, we will definitely see it. Just like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, there's a lot of people either really loving it and a lot of people are just like, dude, that shit sucks. And it's like, whatever. Like, I don't know. I'm kind of sick of, like, I've been sick of hearing about Can like, the last week and a half as well because it's like, it's never ending. Yeah. And, there was actually this really funny thing I saw Petros like in, engaging with on uh, Twitter um, about like film festivals and like why they shouldn't be showing like films in cinemas or whatever and previews before they're at the film festival. And it's just like, fuck off. <laughs> like these fuck people are just off. like, if I pay all this money to go to the festival, I should be able to like see the film first. And it's just like, dude. You're coming from a place no. of privilege, like you know, yeah. Because like Check the only people privilege. that are sh- like really going to film festivals are people who are being paid to go there because that's their job, or people yeah. who have somehow a lot of money to go to a film festival, or they've stupidly scraped up all their fucking money and not going to pay the rent <laughs> because they're going to a film <laughs> festival. I don't know, like it's too expensive and just ridiculous. I'm tired of hearing about it. Just I want to, like, I just want to go. I just want to watch a movie. I don't want to hear like so many goddamn, you know, I should quit my podcast. Cause by, by <laughs> Wait, are we part trying, of the problem? Are we part of the problem? No. <laughs> I don't like, you know, at this point it's like, I don't really care if people think I'm a critic or not. I'm not like, I don't know. I'm not telling you to but go what, watch this. Exactly. Watch we're, never, we're never telling anyone to like not watch something. Mm. Go watch, go watch Life Aquatic. Yeah. If you haven't, you definitely should fucking yeah it's fucking weird if anything like you'll yeah. have a good time like you'll just be like yeah. what the fuck is going on in this movie <laughs> like, <laughs> and how many times can you say that like yeah. that's worth watching every episode because we're <laughs> always talking about something worth watching wes anderson and noah bombeck who Noah bombeck you know wes anderson turned to after owen wilson was getting too busy as an actor uh to write with him and Bombeck had impressed Wes Anderson with this script for the Squid in the Well, which he was struggling to get made at the time. Side mission. Yeah, that should be a side mission. Uh, maybe. We'll see what happens. Uh, te- I'm teething like, it now. To, 
if anyone be honest, like if I've got nothing to do in a few days, I'm just like, Phil, I'm going to watch the school of the well. And then we're going to record an episode like tomorrow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Bullshit episode. Yeah. So they wrote the film together over several lunches. They had at a restaurant in New York's Greenwich Village called Bar Pitti. Many details in the film were inspired by the restaurant itself, including Steve Zissou's home base called uh, Presapata Island, which was named after a swordfish entree on the menu. The uh, three-legged dog Cody was named after a regular the writers would converse with at the restaurant. And Ned's little stoplight graphic that's on his red Zisu hat that no one else seems to have is inspired by a similar hat that uh, Wes Anderson saw on a teenager at the restaurant. And like I said, uh, it was Wes Anderson's first collaboration with Roman Coppola who served as the film's second unit director. So he would just, I think he just was like, dude, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to make, I'm going to do some shots here and there. And Wes <laughs> Anderson's like, I've never had a second unit. So I do like, like I, I don't know. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, all right, cool. The and then he just, he just goes out and he gets all this crazy shit. Like he, I think he got like those shots of like when they're in the balloon and just the view of their feet, like. That's a great like, shot. Yeah. Very, very uh, cool. Fellini. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure if he did, but he could have potentially gotten the helicopter crash shots. But I know he he did shoot a lot of like the uh, aircraft and stuff like Mm. those a lot of those shots. So, yeah, Roman Coppola and they become, you know, writing partners in a few films from here as well. So there you go. Look out. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Let's get to the cast. Bill, Bill Murray as Steve Zissou. Uh, the part for Zisu was specifically written for Bill Murray. <laughs> it couldn't have been anyone else. That is exactly what I was about to say. Wes Anderson said it, it could not have been anyone else. It could be no one you, else. You can't make that movie without Bill yeah. Murray. It's Bill Murray's movie. Wes Anderson told Murray of his idea to do a film based on Cousteau back when they were filming Rushmore. And Anderson wanted to do this like weird amalgamation of Jacques Cousteau, the character of Guido Ansel. And sell me and sell me. I don't know how to say his name. Sorry. I don't know how to pronounce names guys uh, from Fellini's eight and a half. And he mm. also wanted to add in a bit of just Bill Murray himself in there. So all those characters kind of created Steve Sue, but the character's name was originally going to be called Steve Cousteau. But I don't know how much they were trying to Too get much. involved with the Cousteau society. Cause there's that whole thing. He just wanted to make a biopic. Yeah. Well, there's that whole thing at the end of the film that's just like, you know, the Cousteau Society have nothing to do with this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Just, just so, so you know. know. I think they were just worried about getting in trouble. But then they decided to go with Steve Zissou. And in Rushmore, Jason Schwartzman's character, Max Fisher, is seen on his goat cart. And he's got the, uh, the glasses on and like the cap and everything and uh, sitting all like weird. And that's that famous image in Rushmore. And it's based off of mm-hmm. uh, Jacques Henri Latigue's photograph. And the man in that photo in the real photo is named Zisu. So that's where Zisu comes from. It's just nonstop <laughs> with the references and the Easter egg. Yeah. Everything got something it's like a, fucking Pixar movie yeah. with a clue to the next movie <laughs> and the last one. I, although I, I struggled and I couldn't find, I'm sure there's somewhere, some something somewhere, but I couldn't peanuts. find a Peanuts one in this film. I was looking on the internet, couldn't no. really find anything. Like There usually is something. I didn't really see it in this one, so I don't know. I think he had uh, plenty of other 
maybe to be referencing. And <laughs> I'm sure there was, like there had to have been something. There's definitely something one. In there. But yeah, I don't know. It probably could have just been anything. Who knows? Yeah, I got nothing. Probably just like, oh, like, you know, the, the scarf that Owen Wilson's wearing. It's like the one that like Snoopy wears when he's like, you know, flying his fighter yeah. jets or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and then he crashes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> During filming, Bill Murray actually became a certified diver, and he logged over forty hours. And wow, he uh, had to leave production for a bit to go accept his Golden Globe Award for Lost in Translation. Sorry, guys, just got just got pop out real quick, real quick. I'm just gonna go get a Golden Globe. No, yeah, I'll be right. But he didn't make it over here to the UK to accept his BAFTA. He's like, fuck the Brits. Fuck he could have fucking Brits. yeah, fuck him. <laughs> He could have it was so here. much closer. They were in fucking Italy. Like, <laughs> apparently, I wouldn't want to come. Apparently, here. he had it written down in his contract though that he had to receive a live feed of all the Chicago Cubs games because they were making like a really deep run into the playoffs while they were filming. And um, did they win? All right, so this is the year of Mister Baseball over yeah, here. Mister Baseball. We were uh, we were talking about that off air, Phil. No one's going to know what we're talking about. Yeah. It's a reference. Eh? It's a reference to something you don't know about. <laughs> it's a call it's a back. Call back to our conversation that wasn't recorded. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, this is the year—the famous catching hell year, the famous Steve Bartman incident, which is go out of your fucking way to try to find this. It's one of those forty for forty docs. I wish it was on Disney Plus, but I haven't been able to find it because they have a bunch of those on on Disney Plus. They but do. I, I don't. I haven't seen it on there, but. It's called Catch in Hell, this, the Steve Bartman incident. Oh, my God. It's insane. This dude, he's standing there like the Chicago Cubs, like they're winning this game. And uh, they're about to like, I think they're about to win. And this dude goes out to catch like a foul ball or something. And this fucking guy, Steve Bartman, just reaches his hand out and he grabs the ball out of the like glove. Basically, uh, I know this. And then for some reason the team completely just like went into shambles and they like they ended up losing this game and they still had the advantage but they lost like either one or two games after and they were out and that was like their dream year and this was like before they won the world series like a couple years ago so like they broke what was called the curse of the billy goat in chicago like which is this like this fucking like curse for a hundred plus years that they hadn't won a world series (laughs) it's hardcore man like chicago wanted to kill this man it's so bad they blame everything on him it's a horrible horrible but it's a great documentary it's unbelievable so catching hell try to try to catch that hell um hey the shot of steve zisu feeding that fish to the killer well which I don't mm-hmm. agree with, Steve Zissou. You should release your your orcas. They should be free yeah, to roam. A, I'm not a fan. Um, not a fan. You have two dolphins yeah. as well that you hate for some reason. Trapped with cameras. Although I'm not really yeah. sure. Like, and the cats you pretend to care yeah. about. It seems like the 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 dolphins like aren't really stuck under the ship though, right? They're just there. No, they're hanging they out. Seem to be kind of stupid. <laughs> they're part of the crew. Although I did really like that scene where the the dolphins are like watching like Ned and Jane like making out. It seemed mm. like, <laughs> it was like yeah, it was just and like, the camera hey. feed. <laughs> yeah. hey. 
<laughs> it's like that's the only thing they're good for is just being perps. Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah, that shot where I mean, dolphin thought perp. <laughs> the shot where we he's feeding that. the the killer whale, which is a great shot. Um, that was meant to be in this montage, like uh, in Rushmore, I think. Like they were trying, they were like. Uh, <laughs> gonna have either they just really wanted bill murray to feed a voice. <laughs> yeah i think it was like because you know they had the aquarium and it, i think they were going to like yeah. they had a he had worked out this whole thing of like all the fish that uh they were going to put inside this aquarium <laughs> i think they were just going to have him like feeding an orca <laughs> can you imagine like a high school like prep school like aquarium if it had a fucking orca in it <laughs> <laughs> you got yeah. too much money wait speaking of feeding fish Oh, calling you're calling. It. Yeah, go for it. I'm calling it. Snack time. Hope it's alright. We know it's not over. But now we're having snack time to maintain status. Snack time. Snack time. Good save. I mean, I'm just been staring yeah. at the fucking Go plate. For it. Well, seeing that you're calling the snacks, I'm going to give you permission to because I don't know what's going on anymore. Um, I thought you were drifting off. I realized my. Like, Let me do this now. My my notes are shit. My vision's gone. I'm going through it as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> what I have, classic. We're talking seaman, sailor's boat, the water, mm-hmm. fish, mm-hmm. and I have. A fish stick. Ooh. Bird die omega three fish fingers. <laughs> and I love fish stick. Yeah. And I love putting fish stick in my mouth. And we also established off the air. Yeah. Like and I cooked sticks? it I cook I do. Nothing wrong with that. And I cooked it before um we started recording. And so they're a bit cold. But hopefully <laughs> still good. I'm just gonna yeah, go ahead. I got some ketchup here. I'm gonna dip in that. I had fish sticks last night, I think, for dinner. I don't remember. It could have been two nights ago. I barely remember yesterday. That was a yesterday? <laughs> Not bad. Nice. They're better, they're better hot. And you know what? I like the chunky one better. Mm-hmm. These are the normal one. Um, but not bad. What do you have? I've something got, fishy? I do have something fishy. I've got a throwback to a previous snack, but it's a, with a little twist because nice, nice. you know we're we're hanging out in um, we're hanging out in Italy, you know, like the Mediterranean, and I just feel like it's it's a bit tropical. So we've got Swedish fish, but Ooh. tropical edition, Swedish nice. fish mini, tropical, tropical edition. And I feel like there's you know it's got they got to be Swedish because I, like I'm in a fucking you know, Norwegian prison, <laughs> Norwegian prison, so. Let's open this up. I don't know why it's in this box because there's another plastic pack inside. Could fuck the environment. I can't smell them, Phil, so I don't know what oh. they smell like. Dude, how are we supposed to do it? I, we'll see if... Uh, yeah, because I, I I have zero smell. Um, We'll see how they taste. They're very small. It tastes like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of do taste like nothing. Oh, man. How are we going to rate it? 
Oh my god! So my taste has been up and down. Mm-hmm. It's clearly Coming and going. It's clearly gone right now because <laughs> it just tastes like I'm. I taste more consistency than flavor right now. And <laughs> it's a thing. It definitely it's a thing in my mouth. <laughs> what are you gonna give it? Wait, wait. How many? <laughs> how many red knit caps are you gonna give it? I have to give it an incomplete. <laughs> a you an ungraded yeah i can't rate it because like i don't know what it tastes like zero it's a zero <laughs> yeah that's a shame that's um shame. well ladies and gentlemen when i when i uh, get my taste back maybe i'll pull these suckers out and try one yeah uh, do it on yeah. a week where you don't know what to do for the snack yeah <laughs> or, like the uh, master that's gonna be a hard one yeah <laughs> i try to master this snack <laughs> <laughs> you master the fish. You did the mast on a boat. Make fun. Yeah, go for it. Why not? He's nice. laying on a boat. You know, laying like you know that shot where he's just like this. No shot. Yeah. That's all I know about that film. That shot and the the motorcycle shot. I've not oh, seen the film yet, so we'll get, we'll get there. How Can't about what do you? How many uh, red beanies are you giving your your fish? I, I give it. It loses a lot because they're cold. And um, <laughs> I told you only to one. call. And I now told I want you to more. call snack time whenever you wanted to. Should have done it. Today. I know. Yeah, two and a half. Two and a half. Damn. Uh, right down the middle. Three. Yeah. Nah. The light. Yeah. Just an average. A size, light three. Average size fish average. stick. <laughs> 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 and you know me, I like them chunky. It's <laughs> all talking fish stick. It's all about the about girth. The girth. Mm-hmm. It's the motion in the ocean, you know, when it comes to... It's not the sides of the boat. <laughs> it's the motion in the ocean. Uh, all right. Owen Wilson plays Edward Ned Plimpton, a.k.a. Kingsley. Kingsley. <laughs> Kingsley. It's such a stupid name. So stupid. I love... I love uh, Call Ned. me Steve <laughs> I love Ned. Such a great character. Like So do um, I. So you're upset <laughs> that he was part. you're upset that he was killed? That's a big problem I have with this movie. I think it's totally un unearned that moment. It comes out mo it it comes out nowhere. It comes after like what would be a uh, a moment of like uh, I don't know, reconciliation. I guess you know, it's like when they're like they save the guy and it's like, yeah, we're ready to go. We're, you know, we're not going to pack up and leave. We're going to go for the shark. We're going to do it. And it's just this last little curveball they throw at you. Yeah. And it skimmed over. And it's like, it's, he's really the only character I care about in this movie. And they kind of brutally kill him off. And the scene is great. But again, it's yeah. one of those things I'm in two minds of two minds about. It's yeah. Done so well. And the Needle camera dipping. City. Yeah. The, the camera dipping in and out the water and then just one time that shot's insane the red that's <laughs> yeah. insane dude insane. and finally you see the red and you're like yeah. oh shit that's bad yeah. and he's fucking dead and then they just cut to they say some words and they fucking throw him off like they do with the fucking pirate earlier on and it's like I don't know I think it's just me I just like that character yeah. like very sweet very earnest and he never really gets anything yeah but Phil yeah. it's like this how do you think I feel I'm Two days before. Yeah, well, one, yeah, there. That's that's enough. I I don't even need to go down like some shit that you might really understand. Yeah. How do you think I feel two days before I'm supposed to go home and see my cat to be stricken down 
out of nowhere with COVID-19 and stuck here in hell for 10 days. <laughs> shit yeah, happens I mean, out of nowhere. Just shit like happens, death. And he, it's fucking tragic. Yeah. If he told I you. I don't like it. <laughs> if he told you, like, actually, he kind of did throughout the entire film that, uh, you know, Ned was going to die. And they're like, oh, when did the helicopter lost service? They basically tell you the fucking thing it's going to crash, but it doesn't make it. Also, they Any give you clues throughout happened. the film. Ned can't swim. Um, but he doesn't drown. <laughs> and he nearly dies earlier. Um, yeah, immediately. And then yeah. also, I'm not saying they Angelica don't. Houston sort of, uh, she sort of telegraphs it as well. Like where she She's like, don't really, let him go. Yeah, she was really concerned. I, I'm not saying so. it's not foreshadowed. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't think it works. Yeah. It just, it like. It doesn't work for the, you because. I I like I, I like that he he dies because it's like I feel like it's a nice like I don't know the whole thing's like a, a nice moment. It's the only time where Steve like I think really I think accepts the fact that like that may or may not have been his son, but he accepts the fact of the moment of. <laughs> but of he everything. knows it's not his son. Well, you don't necessarily the whole time. You don't know that because there is a thing. I know what you're saying. But that's the like, whole thing. It's like she sh- he shoots he blanks. shoots blanks, which I love that word in the, or the, that expression. My friend and I uh, had, <laughs> okay. had a fake uh, band. blues band that we made up called Perseverance, and one of the songs we made up was called <laughs> Shooting Blanks, and it was like I'm shooting blanks, I'm shooting good. them dead, <laughs> I'm shooting them wild. <laughs> Just like this really horrible blues song. That well, that makes sense. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, but. That moment, I actually saw this, that uh, Noah Baumbach and Wes Anderson, neither one of them were ever convinced that that was actually true, that he was shooting blanks. Then, all right, we have this because thing where it's an unreliable whole, narrator thing. No, but throughout the, the whole relationship between, you know, Eleanor and Steve, like they've they played on it in that scene where they're talking about like, uh, should have had about kids not having you. kids. Yeah. And then she says later, like, oh, well, like he shoots blanks. But I think he's like, he's probably telling her a lot of lies. Like he's lying to her a lot, I'm sure. I guess. So, yeah, I guess he, he, he is like a, the unreliable narrator. So you, can't, yeah. you don't know what to believe, like with the letter and not, you know, acting like he doesn't know about him and he did know, but he kept the letter. This sweet moment, Steve. Yeah. But I don't know. There's too many fucking fake outs and shit to know. I guess that's the problem. It's like, I don't really <laughs> get to, I don't feel like I get to know this dude. Plus he's like a, he's a bullshit, like, uh, you know. There's no honest moment with yeah. Steve. Well, I mean, the one bit you just... get is when he cries at the fish, and it's a great <laughs> moment, but it's like, yeah. what? Why are we even crying? Because you came to the, you finally, you've, you come to the end of the road essentially, but it's like you've lost everything. I think Steve was also gay, maybe, and Esteban was his lover. That's a good theory, dude. He, I mean, he, one of the few people we actually give there. the shit about. He's a lot going on there, because like there's a lot of the the homophobic undertones and stuff at times where he's talking yeah. about the people. Um, you know, he's wearing like the earring at one point, and like he like uh, that's just bill murray and he right? and bill he murray gets just had an earring. they pick on him for wearing and he, takes earring and he like takes it out and then like immediately you know. takes it back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's like He's, me with my earring if anyone yeah. had made fun of it i would have taken it yeah, out yeah take it out <laughs> immediately <laughs> just like do you think they're out. talking about me yeah there's like but i mean there's like all these elements to it like it seems like esteban was the only person he really loved and then there's like there's i mean we'll get to klaus but jesus christ yeah fucking hell <laughs> Uh, I don't know, but 
yeah, the role for Ned, another person that was written specifically like for, it was written for Owen Wilson. Uh, great in it. Ned Plimpton, though, wasn't always meant to be that genteel Southern man that he was mm-hmm. in the film. It was basically Wes Anderson added that to his character when he heard Owen Wilson doing like an impression of Owen Wilson's Armageddon co-star, Will Patton, who is from yeah. South Carolina. He said it was funny and he gave it sort of a genteel feeling, something a little bit uh, not quite real. And the accent certainly not real. The accent hasn't existed certainly since the Civil War, even if yeah. even if then. So <laughs> just and then, so Steve <laughs> like like why so Steve why do the colors of the <laughs> just like yeah. everything he says well, that's a great so question eh? good improv yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my mother told me right before she took her own life <laughs> great <laughs> Wes Anderson and Baumbach based Steve and Ned's paternity storyline on the, a similar story that alleges film director John Frankenheimer who did the Manchurian Candidate and Reindeer Games and a ton of ton of other films is the father of film director Michael Bay. So Michael, really? yeah, Michael Bay was adopted as a baby, and he eventually found his biological mother. And his search for his biological father at one point turned him to John Frankenheimer, but a DNA test years later proved that it wasn't so. So I don't know Damn. if he ever really found his actual father, obviously like he got a lot of love and influence from people like Spielberg and yeah, he uh, turned out all right. Yeah. So like he had these guys that were looking after him when he was getting into the movie business and shit, but yeah, it was really a crazy story. Like he thought this guy was his father because Frankenheimer apparently had like gloated about like sleeping with his biological mother. And then there was rumors that he was the way conversation. Yeah. It's really strange. <laughs> Uh, so that's how this, like, I don't know. It's just like one of those weird Hollywood stories that got like put into this film. Yeah. Um, one of legend. Yeah. So I think it's really like up to the viewer if you want to like, cause we were arguing over if Steve is really the father. I don't know if it, if it really matters. By the end, it doesn't really matter. Could they create their own sort of paternal relationship? And I get yeah. it, but it's like, but that's what I mean at the end. If you're trying to tap into me, like if you're trying to reach an emotional conclusion, but you've given me like nothing real, nothing solid. Like I get if this, you know, like you said, it would best sort of, I don't want to put words, but like it's best enjoyed. And that's like, you know, you, the whole world is sort of fake and a farce and you don't really know what to believe. That's fine until you get to serious moments where like, people die and shit mm. and then you're like well then i don't but i don't really care or i care too much now and it confuses me <laughs> and it's like i get it everything is like perfect yeah. i get it it's like a pilot who fucking died in a, a plane crash it's like it's the perfect arc and like you see it coming but it's like i don't know i don't even know what i would do in it place it if yeah if you know now it uh, i can't see the story any other way it needs to happen but it's like I get to that point and it's like, I don't think I'm feeling the thing I'm meant to feel. And then the whole ending sort of falls over because of that for me, even though I like them finally seeing the Jaguar shark. Mm. I think that's a cool moment. Yeah. That whole, that whole scene's great. Um, I think there was a, 
like a really funny thing when I was looking for a Peanuts reference. Uh, I, I kind of forgot <laughs> about until you were talking about like the way it plays out because it does feel so farcical. And someone was explaining the way this film works. It's like, it feels like it is a Peanuts comic strip in a way, like the way it plays out. But then like, could you imagine like if Charlie Brown was like, I don't know, kicking a football or something, I don't know. And the football just came and it hit Schroeder in the head and it kills Schroeder. <laughs> and he goes and like, picks him up and he's carrying him kind of like the way like Ned dies and Zisu's carrying him <laughs> to, which, the beach, yeah. to the beach, which I think is like an allusion to like the, you know, the, some statue by I think Leonardo, but like, you know, where uh, Mary's holding Jesus or something. Um, yeah. Coming so, off the cross. And then just imagine him going to, uh, what's it? Lucy and, you know, having a grief counseling sort of session with her about the whole issue and like Schroeder's dead. And it's just like this horrible moment. And then she's just like, gives him her usual, like, you know, bullshit. And he just ends it by saying, good grief. That's almost kind of like what happens. So there's yeah, your that, peanuts reference. There we go. I mean, made it better. The uh, three Kentucky air pilots. So, you know, Ned's like a Kentucky air. Pilot, which is yeah. just like, you do the bag and the hat everywhere. Ned's burial at sea. So those people who play the three Kentucky air pilots are Wes Anderson's brother, Eric, who's back. Another Anderson. And by God, another Wilson. All right. One of the guys is is Bob Wilson, who is the father, Robert Wilson, of all the Wilson brothers. (laughs) He got them all now. And then the other guy was Bob's college roommate. So there's like two older gentlemen and then Wes Anderson's younger brother. So yeah. That's funny. Kate Blanchett, she plays Jane Winslet Richardson. So this was modeled after the primatologist and anthropologist Jane Goodall. Yes, you feel it. (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow was actually originally set to play Jane, but couldn't do it due to scheduling conflicts. And I was like, really sort of like, oh man, I wonder why Gwyneth Paltrow, (laughs) like as far as I, as far as I know, like she's not in any other Wes Anderson films, right? Like it just Mm. felt like she was great in Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. And like there should have been more. And I was like always wondering what the deal was. But yeah, she was meant to play Jane originally and didn't happen. Nicole Kidman had apparently expressed interest and Wes Anderson was like going to hire her, but she was forced to bow out due to other commitments. And apparently even Julianne Moore requested the role. And really? that was another Everybody one. Everybody wanted to work with West, man. That, well, that was another one though, because we've been talking about Julianne Moore a lot for Paul Thomas Anderson films. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh man, how come she's not been in any of these? He's crossover. Yeah, we need it. We need the crossover. Uh, Kate Blanchett never rehearsed with the crew at all and (laughs) hadn't even met most of them before filming that nighttime electric jellyfish scene where she appears. But that's perfect. Yeah, like she appears on the beach and all that smoke and sort of stuff, like the fog. And uh, yeah, that was just done to add the spontaneity to the scene. So they weren't really sure how it was going to play out and just like bring her in. Yeah. Nobody picked me up from the effing airport. <laughs> That's a great running joke. Yeah. yeah. Another like interesting little thing here is that like Kate Blanchett discovered that she was actually pregnant just prior to filming the movie. I think it might've been while she was putting on like the fake bump, like a uh, prosthetic bump that they were like, <laughs> she's like, wait, her. I have a real one. 
but apparently she got really faint or whatever when they were fitting it on her and then nearly passed out and then like oh, no. found out that uh she was actually pregnant in real life. And oh, when that's funny. Wes Anderson like figured that out, he was just like joking with her, accusing her of taking her method acting a little too far. <laughs> <laughs> I got pregnant so, for this bro. For the first half of the film, she's using the fake bump, and then by the time they finished up filming, she was just able to use her actual bump. That's funny. All of her notebooks that she's using in the film as well are like designed after the exact ones that Wes Anderson uses to write his films. Um and yeah, okay, so we were talking about that scene. The the <laughs> it's my favorite one of my favorite scenes in the film. So Bill Murray. The interview scene, the very first interview, Bill Murray improvised the bit where he pulls the gun out at her. <laughs> like, what the hell are you doing? Is that the perfect thing to do? Does this scene fake? <laughs> Does this scene fake? Oh my god, I love that scene so much. Oh, like wait, I, I great. forget about that scene. But that feels like a real thing. Yeah, it's really funny. So you can see the gun bump the table from the perspective of like when it comes out from like under, like kind of under the camera, almost like what it looks like. And it's showing her and it bumps the table. And I think they stopped it. And Wes Anderson was like, did you just point your gun at a pregnant reporter? (laughs) He thought it was a really nice touch. So they shot it from his perspective as well to include it into the film. But like, I love that scene because it reminds me of like, that video with the wrestler who like just basically like breaks that dude's fingers. Like, yeah, yeah. Just like, that's fake. Does yeah, this look this fake, fake to you? This look fake. Like that's an open hand slap. <laughs> just gets so angry. Like it just, that's what it feels like. Like someone telling a wrestler that wrestling's fake, but like yeah. calling Steve out on his bullshit. Like that, like, yeah, this all seems staged, but of course, she- I mean, ev- like, it's show business. Whole like, his whole thing is fucking... He's a bit of a show-off, and he admits to that finally yeah. at the end. And she's the only one who called... She great. She's such an, like, a, an alien force yeah. The Agnan and the, the Alpha, and she's like, one, the, only woman on, the only woman on board. The other one is always naked. It's weird. Yeah. Um, but, so, yeah, it's nice. She's a good element to have, and her mm. and Bill Murray are really good together. Like, I, again, it's a horrible joke, but I like the running joke of him just constantly making her cry. <laughs> <laughs> you sure? You you sure do cry. She's <laughs> yeah. always had a napkin with her. Yeah. But I, I love I love Kate yeah. Blanchett. Um, she, I mean, in general, she's no good. I always like seeing her in movies, and she's good in there. Again, she doesn't get an ending, which really bothered me. She just disappeared. She's supposed to leave, but she doesn't leave. She's still on the boat. She says goodbye. She writes another letter. She had one more moment with Steve where she sat down and he's like, oh, I read, I read the, the article. And it's like, oh, you're getting the front cover. Great. It's just, again, it goes nowhere. And it's something I, I really like her in this movie and I yeah. like her character. And I get, again, maybe it's just I want more of it. And I think I'm already feeling, it's not too much in this movie, to be fair. But how that is a real problem later on in this movie where everything is suffocating under yeah. the amount of characters. But there's not that many here. You, I know yeah. everyone on board, at least, and I can tell you what they're about and what they're yeah. like. And they all have their own story. It's not literally just like people coming for one line. I No, I get what if you're that saying with sense. that because there are certain characters like that have that, especially with me and Boogie Nights and Julianne Moore's character. I felt like 
there wasn't like that. <clears throat> like I needed that extra little bit. I think yeah, like, even if it's just an extra scene, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Could yeah, you get a lot of her? She doesn't have like. I get what you're saying because she's a character that doesn't really seem to have like that final closure because she's obviously like looking for like like she wants to be loved obviously and like you know it's not gonna happen yeah because she got she got she's got a thing with her boss yeah obviously boss and married yeah unless she she just learns like fuck it i'm just gonna do it on my own i can do it on my own (laughs) i don't know yeah yeah but yeah it's like she obviously you know it's important to her for her kid to have a father it seemed like Mm. you know but i don't know Maybe she learned through Ned. Ned didn't really have a father. She appreciated him. So, yeah, and that's something he she's trying to, I guess, help him out of. And that you don't really need Steve. Yeah. Steve just taking advantage. Gladly takes your money and yeah. won't even let you call him dad and shit. <laughs> it's just a prick. Yeah. It's just He's like prick, nonstop, yeah. literally just. I think it works because it's Bill Murray. I think that's what I like about it. It's sort of like Bill Murray yeah. and Groundhog Day is never really that like. Because when we were doing Groundhog, Groundhog Day, I was saying at the end, like I was like, I don't feel like he ever really earns this. He's learning to earn it by creating a perfect day. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. like, it, it doesn't really help. Like it by the end that he's just learned how to create a perfect day to get out of his hell. And, and to a point where it, it's almost maybe it's just like it, he becomes the perfect day because he's doing it for so long. But still, it's like it doesn't feel like he's really learned anything yeah. except for how to create a perfect day. Um, I don't know, but you could debate that like however long you want to. Cause he does some scummy ass shit in yeah. that film when he's stuck in the loop. So uh, Yeah. I mean, just Bill Murray and nobody played the better. Yeah. God, perfect asshole. <laughs> Sorry. Is that neighbors. your side? Oh, this is your neighbors. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's going to be a while. There we go. Fucking hell. <laughs> They're the worst people in the world. Keep keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> Angelica Houston plays Eleanor Zisu. It's another role written She's specifically back. for the actor. Yeah, I, I couldn't find much about like Angelica Houston. With, I mean, there's a couple of characters that was like Angelica Houston, Jeff Goldblum, and William Defoe. Like, I couldn't find out much about like you know, them being in this film and stuff. It was, mm. or like bits and pieces and just because like, I couldn't be bothered with deep diving too much in my fugue state yesterday. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Jeff Goldblum plays Alistair Hennessy, which was her former lover who was half gay is according to him. And, uh, yeah, they're on the commentary track. They did, they did announce that, uh, so Wes he Anderson, was full gay. That he was full gay, but no, Wes Anderson and Noah Baumbach like said that they discussed that they had planned for that in credit scene. So you have like you know Eleanor's there, Alist- Alistair Hennessy's there, like everybody shows up. I think Ned might even be like on the ship already, like mm. in his like Kentucky Airman suit. I don't know. It could maybe not be him. You can't really see him that well. But anyway, that whole thing where they're walking together at the end credits, they had planned that before. Uh, Jeff Goldblum was cast in the film. But it turned out it helped a lot when he did get cast because they did still, basically, they, they stole the idea from the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. And they like mm-hmm. 
made it seem like it was more of an homage than it was them actually just yeah. nicking that. But they, they were like, yeah, we basically did steal it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love those two characters, though. They uh, really play off of Zisu really well. Like, you know, he's just like completely just... I guess he used to be probably really good friends with uh, Alistair. These, they were college roommates, but then, you know... Yeah, and they were, they were uh, what do you call it? Not colleague, but equal in yeah. the field. Yeah, yeah. And one obviously took... Did way better than the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, I, it's like, what does he do? Like, what does he do? What he does he do see, better? Yeah, he seems like he's just a playboy on a big ass boat. Like I don't. But he, and also a piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, he's got the fucking couch on his boat yeah. on the top deck and shit, which but is, is amazing. Making, but also, is he making movies? Does he make movies? Yeah, that's. I like, don't know. Could he also had a group of interns that are all killed, and he doesn't yeah. care. <laughs> and he gets shot. This movie wouldn't even. They would kill Owen Wilson and wouldn't dare kill Jeff Goldblum. You can't kill Jeff Goldblum. I would rather have it the other way around. Has he died in any any film that he's ever been in? No, they won't let him. Literally, Jurassic Park, he's like one of the few that make it out. It, the Fly? Yeah. He technically he, dead at the he, end of The Fly? He probably dies, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't remember. I remember how that ends. He turned into a fly, I remember that. Bit. Yeah. Drop us an email. Tell us when <laughs> Jeff Goldblum had died in a movie. Let us know. <laughs> let us know. We want to know. Uh, Angelica Houston, though, is like great as well. Like, I don't know like where she stands with Alistair Hennessy, but it seems like she does sort of like Zisu still, but she's playing like a similar character, I guess, to the way she was in Royal Tenenbaums, but yeah, blend it with a bit with Margot Tenenbaum. Like it's like she's hitting a lot of yeah. those beats and stuff and I really it's like her in this I, film. She's really fun. I never get tired of her just smoking and yeah. leaving midway through a yeah. sentence. You know what I mean? <laughs> like great just good fuck off. It's yeah, like it's she doesn't great. even need to do much. She just looks great doing whatever she does. She looks awesome. Yeah. She was the perfect Morticia Adams. Like, yeah. There's never been or will be like a more perfect Morticia. No. Like, and she's really good in this film as well. She just has a lot of like charisma and just like magic in a film, you know. She, yeah. And she's a great present in a Wes Anderson movie because she seemed very real. In a land of cartoonish characters. Yeah, definitely. She never she never played it like that. She always mm. played it really straight. And she's a good thing to she's an anchor. Yeah. To use, you know, nautical terminology. Yeah. I mean Because it's the life aquatic with Steve Nister. You know with with COVID as well, you gotta have a lot of water, <laughs> so nautical themed episode. I've run out of water. <laughs> empty, empty glass, you can hear it. <laughs> Way of sound. Um, Gotta have so them liquid. Jeff Goldblum, he's wearing the, uh, those glasses throughout the film. Like those are actually Mark Mother Mother's Balls glasses. Apparently, they're like these custom designed glasses. Um, and without them, Mother's Ball is legally blind. Can borrow this for a few months. Which I don't know how true that is because like. Goldblum's always kind of rocking glasses these days, but you know, I take That's what true. I can get, guys. I don't know. I'm don't know what I believe anymore. If you uh, could do better, I can't. I can't breathe properly anymore. <laughs> um, they let alone research. <laughs> there's the, I'm the pepper shirt that he's wearing though when he gets 
like caught by the pirates. Yeah, what is that? Okay, so that is an homage to the stuntman who helped out on the production of Bottle Rocket. It's the same shirt that that dude is wearing. Like, um, so the guy who sells <laughs> them the guns in Bottle Rocket is wearing that. I'm, I'm a oh, pepper shirt. I was like, I've seen that before, yeah. and I was like, I don't yeah. know where. So it, that's another where movie. From. Yeah, I was like, yeah. is it Dr Pepper? <laughs> it looks like Dr Pepper, but yeah, it's yeah. like I'm, a, I'm a pepper. Um, maybe it was something to do with Dr. Pepper. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's from Bottle Rocket. That that dude's wearing That's it. That's cool. Uh, William Defoe. My God, Klaus. Always love Willem Defoe. This character is Again, like unreal, amazing. vague German yeah. accent. <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah. just like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think he was really pulling like from like his background i think he he grew up in some germanic like area or something like he's from america but like you know just really like pulling from like his past or whatever i don't know strange but fucking love willem defoe because he's so tough he's like the toughest guy on board scariest guy on board and he's so insecure yeah you know he always wanted to he wanted to be um esteban yeah 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 esteban yeah um like to the point where there's a great scene where he's like challenges Owen Wilson on the pier and I love that and he fucking yeah. giving him a little smack yeah just great just great could have used with more Willem Dafoe but yeah top perfect. notch he, it's like top a, notch Willem Dafoe it's like, just for the outfit holy shit he's got so many great weird roles and I think this is one of the best ones like he's he like, looks amazing he's so you can't put funny. your finger on him it's yeah. just like you just did Spider-Man you know <laughs> yeah, seriously you were the Green Goblin yeah and now you're th- cuff and then you know like it just keep going like yeah. i can't put my finger on him and i like that yeah yeah just such an interesting actor yeah we've we've talked about future arcs down the line which could make us talk about one of my favorite william defoe roles of a very uh, surreal director if that's enough of a hint for you mr and- beans uh, Mr. Bean, yeah, Rowan Mr. Bean holiday. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna run Atkinson. Uh, whole arc lines up, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a good one. This this role, and I feel like it kind of is up there with that one that I was sort of hinting at that I love a lot. William mm. Defoe, he's so funny, man. Like I couldn't find much about his involvement. Strangely, like it was just a few characters that in this film in general, like there wasn't a lot of info about certain things without just digging into old articles when the film was coming out. And that's mm. when I found out him saying that it was like one of his favorite experiences in making a movie. So, cause he was like so far away from Hollywood, there was no worries about anything. And also maybe because he met his Italian wife, director and actor Giada Calagrande while shooting and they're still married to this day. So he's probably happy about that. Um, Bud Court is in the film as Bill Ubell, who's the Bond company, uh, Bond company stooge. Again, another part written for someone. I mean, the Rushmore had a lot of references to Harold and Maud. Bud Court plays Harold and Harold and Maud. So, uh, yeah, it was probably just Wes Anderson. Like, get him in this movie. He's really funny. <laughs> he has one of the best lines as well. I'm trying to remember, uh, Oh, he said something really smart at it, alecky to someone. It was sort of like out of character because he's just sort of like, you know, oh, Mr. Zisu, I'm going to have to report any illegal activities, you know, like, yeah. uh, I th- oh, yeah, I think it was. It's at the end, right? Yeah, it was like when uh, someone, 
was it was it uh, the coffee machine? Tennessee asking about the coffee machine. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It yeah, that's mine. A, yeah, is this mine? We stole, stole it. it. Yeah, yeah. He's that's just it. like he's like, how, how did he get here? We fucking stole it, man. <laughs> like that's the way he says it. Like, it's stole great, it, man. Yeah. Like it's just so good. <laughs> Such Here, a funny intern, one. Plug this in. Make me a latte. <laughs> we got Michael Gambin as Osiré. How do you say his name? Osiré Drac- Draculius. I don't know. Fuck. Fucking dumb names. Um, <laughs> and he's based on Dino De Laurentis. Again, I can't say names, so he may as well have a fucking name I can't pronounce. Is his character if he's supposed to be based on a producer whose name I always butcher? Um, fuck it. Who cares? Noah Baumbach, like you said, he plays his, his assistant, Philip. Get a little cameo that. of him in there. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of other little funny things. I'm wrapping up with the cast and getting into music in just a second. But Steve Zissou's sound man uh, is Renzo Pietro. He's played by the, the movie's actual sound mixer, Paolo. Uh, Powell Modzizak. I don't know how to say his name either. Fuck it. But yeah, he's played by the the movie's actual sound mixer. And in many of the scenes, he's carrying around a live microphone to capture the real-time audio from each take. So Wes yeah, Anderson's just fuck like... Fuck it, he's just there anyway. there anyway. Like, yeah. Yeah, so, we, you know, Wes Anderson regular Seymour Cassell has a brief role as Esteban, the friend of Steve Zissou who's eaten by the jaguar shark. And uh, according to Roger Ebert, Seymour uh, Cassell told him once in an interview years ago that he had always wanted to be eaten by a shark in a movie. So there we go. Just, there you go. Get eaten whole. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, the Napoleon Dynamite looking intern who may or may not be named Nico. I'm not really sure. Yeah, yeah. From uh, the guy eating 500 Days of Summer. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, he's like the best friend in that, but he'd have a different. All right. That's what I recognized him from. Yeah, so he actually was Wes Anderson's real-life intern. His Jesus. name is uh, Matthew Gray Goobler. And That's a great gig. You're like, now I'm in the fucking movie. Yeah. And for the five-month shoot, he had to get his hair permed three times. So this was Ew. pre-Napoleon Dynamite as well. So Before yeah, it was cool. Before it was cool. <laughs> his Never hair cool. looks exactly like Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> it does. Yeah. All right, let's get into the music. This film has some awesome ass music. My God. Not my favorite Wes Anderson movie, but possibly my favorite Wes Anderson soundtrack. Yeah, it's unbelievable, the soundtrack. And I forget it. All right, I'm going to separate the needle drops to the end because, Jesus Christ, I forgot about two of them. Because this film has generally one of my favorite needle drops was Phil's already fucking butchered. A shadow, yeah. Once again, the film was scored by Mark Mothersbaugh in his last collaboration with Wes Anderson unfortunately the uh, song let me tell you about my boat which I've talked about that scene which plays over the cutaway shots of the Belafonte it's actually a melody of a song that Mother's Bow wrote for Royal Tenenbaums but it played backwards so like he just is being (laughs) being really lazy that's probably why Wes Anderson didn't want to work with him anymore (laughs) Like, you can't just reuse the shit. It's like you play do. It, fuck it, play it backwards. <laughs> Wes Anderson wanted to use a lot of Bowie songs for the film, which led to him basically just saying, "Fuck it, let's get 
Sue George in the film. He can play Pele, but also just sing all these David Bowie songs in Portuguese in the film. <laughs> so throughout the film, that. of course, we have Sue George, which I didn't mention earlier really much, but he's great in the film. Like he's yeah. really funny, but then yeah. he's also just playing all these amazing songs. Like just sitting at the, the top, just playing all the great yeah. covers, just like but in Portuguese. Oh my God, I, in Portuguese, and I, lo- I love. Uh, it reminded me that I forgot his name until I rewatched it in the, in the film. Yeah, and I was like, of course they called him fucking Pele. <laughs> yeah, like the only fucking Brazilian person well. you could fucking name. Yeah, it's like Wes Anderson had the dodgy thing with names, like the kid in Isle of Dogs and called Atari. Yeah, and you're like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, Just look literally anywhere else. Yeah. But you could have said Akira. Like, there's so many. Exactly. Like, and that's just the A's. Yeah. There's so many. It's called the Portuguese covers of David Bowie. <laughs> Rebel Rebel being my favorite. Just yeah. the way it sounds. I don't know why. It's just cool. I've always just loved Starman. Life. Yeah, yeah that's Star a good Man one. Really good. Yeah, no, it's so cool. Like, so Absolutely he he it. translated all the songs for the film, but he also like obviously there's a lot of differences because he was doing it based off of his experiences at the time while he's making this film and so like mm-hmm. i think if you actually translate it back into english like his versions will probably be talking about a little bit of what's going on in the film mm-hmm. um so and in things on the ship which is kind of cool uh and he later compiled all these songs so there is a second soundtrack there are uh there are two soundtracks for this so there's like the soundtrack with a lot of these songs anyway and then all the other songs from the film but then there's a compiled uh, record of all the sui george uh bowie songs called the life aquatic studio sessions featuring sui george so it's pretty cool uh the soundtrack also features actual david bowie songs life on mars and queen bitch queen bitch <laughs> closes out the film as well as several pieces of music from uh, zvin Liebach, I don't know, originally written <laughs> for the underwater documentary series Inner Space. And The Life Aquatic is the first Wes Anderson film not to include a song from the Rolling Stones. Oh, but he'll make up for that next time. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> big needle drops. All right. First Here one. Completely forgot it's in the film. And it's the only time it's strange because Mark Mothersbaugh does, has done all the music so far. But they've never had a Devo song. Until this one. <laughs> and we get my favorite Devo song. Perfect. Gut feeling. It's so good. I fucking love so this song. And it's great the way it's used as well. Like, such cool... Because sh- it starts showing a lot of the boat and the helicopter and stuff. And it just, like, breaks in really nice. Like... Oh, man. Such a sick song. All right. And then, my favorite one from the film, which Phil shot on already. Not the needle drop is great and the song is yeah. great. It's, it's the way it happens. Like the way it happens is so good. I think that's why I like that scene so much is because the song is rad and it's yeah. so stupid because he's yeah. not. It feels like he doesn't hit anyone and it's all like everyone's so bad at firing. Fire like they're yeah. like everyone's shooting. No one really gets hit except Steve. Like hits that one guy and that's almost shocking neck. because yeah. it just hits him right in the neck and that dude dies and it's like what the fuck. But it's just set to. Search and Destroy by the Stooges, nice. which I I guess when I saw this had just really gotten into the Stooges, so it was just like, hell perfect man. timing. It's just like the way it kicks off. I'm a streetwalking cheetah with a handful of napalm. It's so rad. 
Uh, I did find this. The scene where he's shooting at the pirates and they're fleeing and he empties his gun and he like throws it into the sea. Yeah, at the... All right. So apparently he quickly, if you watch it, he quickly puts his hand out of frame. He's dr- he probably drops that gun. Oh, he shoots the gun? And then he like grabs like a fake gun and throws it. Like someone hands him a fake gun off the scene and throws it into the water because they found out the hard way that you're not supposed to be throwing actual guns <laughs> into the water because... Yeah, crazy illegal. <laughs> all right, so yeah, one of the pirates, I think like earlier, like had hit their head or something and he went unconscious and fell into the water and dropped his gun like in the process oh shit and they had to halt filming while police choppers buzzed overhead and special divers were searching for the weapon and the <sighs> that, so so yeah that's yeah, why what if a kid found it <laughs> in the middle of the fucking mediterranean <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's funny wow movie yeah that trick photography and then finally uh a a really hard contender, like a top contender for best needle drop in this film is at the end when the out of nowhere Ned dies and that really horrible scene, like is so hardcore that like, is, Oh my God, the blood and stuff. But then the zombies, the way I feel inside, which is one of my favorite yeah. zombie songs. Yeah. It's fucking beautiful. Amazing song. Um, mostly beautifully, yeah. acapella as well. So it's really cool. Just with that organ just comes in towards the end. So good. Yeah. No, he fucking killed it with a needle drop. In the movie. Yeah. Amazing. And not overbearing. There's a yeah. lot of music in this movie, but never overbearing. It again, works well with it. It's, I mean, half of it written into it. Yeah. Like the Joe George stuff. In it, theme. Really close no. it's a good it's usually the beginning of the next title the next chapter mm. usually leads you nicely into whatever happens. yeah just a great way of doing it. yeah definitely uh the movie was shot like basically almost entirely in italy like they they were in italy they were in a famous studio there shooting like i think the ship scenes like inside the ship but they were actually out shooting on the water. Like I said, they like throwing guns in the water and they had the police come to try to fish them out. But uh, yeah, there, there was a, a lot of issues and it sounded a lot like jaws. And I think <laughs> like, I, I think like maybe I appreciate it more after hearing that as well. Cause like when I get to like how much money was thrown down on this fucking film as well. And like how little it made, it makes, I, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Like the whole thing's insane. There was just st- stories, I think, with Wes Anderson talking about like, oh, yeah, like, you know, we'd be set up trying to set up everything and it'd be perfect. And then like three hours would pass while you're trying to set everything up. And then you like you're all ready to go. And then you realize that everything's been turned around because it's like the water. <laughs> and then you're you're shot. It's basically Italy there. And you're like, fuck, <laughs> like, fuck. And, like by three o'clock in the afternoon, like you thought you're ready. And then you, you just have to stop because you're going to lose light. And then you're like, all right, well, we'll pick up tomorrow. Yeah, Shit. we're done for today. <laughs> it just sounded like Everybody take five, a nightmare. Good job. Yeah, like, yeah. Any, yeah. Anytime you're shooting on the water, it looked like a fucking nightmare. It looked like fun yeah. for a bit anyway. Yeah, so I think that was why I was going to throw my snack time at that point, but I allowed you to... Nah, too late. Because I, I happened to just get Sweetest Fish again by chance, and then I found that info about Jaws, and I was like, all right, yeah. like that. That's what I had. <laughs> 
for Jaws was Swedish Fish. So oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, the red carpet sequence at the end of the film, that was actually filmed at the back entrance of the president's palace in Rome. they came across it accidentally and they spent three months trying to convince the authorities there to let them film and they finally were able to um all the underwater creatures in the film are done by stop motion animation and were created by the legendary stop motion director and animator henry selick who you may know from being the director of the nightmare before christmas Mm -hmm. it wasn't Tim Burton. And brother of yeah. Mr. Baseball, Tom Selleck. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> Mr. Baseball. <laughs> Mr. Baseball. Uh, do you guys, maybe that should be our next arc. Like, Mr. So, baseball? No, just, yeah, the Mr. Baseball arc. Like, With the, are there sequels? No, but just the baseball podcast that I was talking about doing called Mr. Baseball. Mr. Baseball. Mr. Baseball. I think you should do it. I think it should be a one-man video podcast. (laughs) You're like, I don't want to do it. (laughs) And and you you really don't want to do it, and nobody's making you. No, no. Now's the time, bro. You don't want to do it. (laughs) I don't want to do it. I don't care about baseball. I can't make it a new arc. Um, No. Yeah, so Henry Selleck and... And uh, Wes Anderson, they were originally going to reteam for Fantastic Mr. Fox, but yeah, they dropped out and he decided to do his own animated feature called Coraline. Ooh, too bad. But anyway, Selig's <laughs> Jaguar Shark puppet measured three meters long and it was the largest stop motion puppet ever created. Fucking cool. And in order to give it a sense of floating through the water, all the stop motion animation on the Jaguar Sharp was done upside down to make it sag against gravity. It's really crazy. Very smart. I yeah. mean, look, see, that's a good payoff in the movie. Yeah. I didn't need to see the shark in the movie. I did the least important part of that movie. Yeah. But the fact that you see it and it's kind of exactly what you want it to look like. Literally a little shark with like a Jaguar print on it. It looks <laughs> so weird. Yeah. But it's great. I'm I love so all the creatures they... in the film. Though. They look really yeah. cool. Like all the all the weird crabs and the crab and like the seahorse. And... Yeah, everything looks cool. I think that's why I like like I really like this film because it's so absurd. There are actual fish and stuff that look real. Like or there's like obviously the whales and the dolphins that look real. But then they're real. There's all these like fake creatures that were created by stop motion and they're so stupid looking. Like that it's funny and I really enjoy it because. That's where. That's what I mean. Like that's the depths that I'm allowing myself to go for mm. Wes Anderson's tweeness, but I won't go any further. It's like it has to be like really stupid looking. Uh, but if he gets like you know like uh, if he like refined it and tried to make it like CGI and there's like these CGI like you know stupid fish swimming around, I'd be like kind of like this sucks. You know? Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> Well, if you like stop motion, yeah, get ready. Uh, Got a lot of that coming up. I, st- I still got to figure out if we're gonna do it like all in one go or split it up. <laughs> Just let me do so, it all in one. Lazy, I feel. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the jaguar shark is kind of funny. Like it, it. There's no. There was no such thing as a jaguar shark. 
time, but... It's the first thing I said. It's the first thing I thought of. <laughs> the, since the release of the film, there is a small species of shark called the Galapagos cat shark, which was discovered, I think, in the 90s. So it technically did exist, but it wasn't described as a jaguar cat shark, which it is now known as, uh, until 2012, due to its resemblance to the mythical jaguar shark in this movie. So it's, it's actually kind of tiny. It's not nearly as big as this fucker. But I actually forgot to mention, though, that scene is really badass because it has that Sigil Ross song in it, which is another great needle drop. In the film. Yeah, that's it, it's like Sigil Ross like, has that uh, ability to like make things feel more magical. And I think that's what really helped that scene. Like, you know, because you're yeah. seeing this really stupid stop motion like shark swim by and everyone's like you know sort of like enthralled by it steve's crying and then you just got this beautiful studio ross playing if you take it out that's what i mean if you take it out that's what i mean it'd be really weird again that moment (laughs) at that heavy not a heavy moment but the magical moment at the end of the movie and everything comes down but like yeah I don't know, man. It just doesn't. I feel like I should be crying at that bit, and I'm not crying. Yeah. Well, I. I mean, you know, have you have you ever cried at any movie? I yeah. I the only way I can cry. <laughs> I, I was just gonna say I. I don't cry I in don't real cry life. In any movies, I didn't cry. Anything. I've never cried I'm before. You cried on the podcast. Did I? Did I? Did I? Chuck lonely <laughs> forgot about that oh my god oh my insides hurt the life aquatic <laughs> Steve Zissou wrap it up man <laughs> was released in uh, December of 2004 and it was a big massive stinking flop the film only made yeah. 34.8 million dollars worldwide on a budget of 50 million dollars which too is much too expensive most- for a Wes Anderson movie it's the most Wes Anderson's ever spent on a film Don't need to that point and since. Like, he's never spent <laughs> he Never more. again. He's because, yeah, because he, f- he fucking knew. He, <laughs> I, also, I appreciate that, like, there was, like, when I was saying it, I was watching some stuff, the way he talks about it now. Like, he doesn't say anything bad about the film itself. I think he likes what he did. It's just like, of course. he was like, this is a learning experience. It's like Spielberg, when we were talking about uh, and I'm not comparing him to Spielberg. I'm only saying it because of like the Jaws feeling, the way he he, he shot this out on the sea and stuff. And, like all those stupid things that were happening while they were shooting and just kind of losing time, and you like start to like like realize your budget's just e- exploding on you because mm-hmm. you're like being really ambitious. After that, like what did what did fucking Spielberg do? He like turned out a film really fucking quick, like ahead yeah. of time and under budget. And it's because yeah, you of get shit, like you, you have these really horrible experiences and you learn all the hard way when you get given a lot of money and a lot of trust. But like, Give them enough rope, to, man. Yeah, you need to reel your fucking self in. <laughs> you know, like, so more nautical terms for you. Um, but yeah, like that is exactly like what I think he, he ended up doing for his next film. Um, and, you know, critics were kind of split on it. Some people really loved it. Others were just thinking... Wes Anderson's style had gotten the better of him. And yeah, I mean, I think that's where we're at now with him. Like it's like, you're either going to like be all in or you're yeah. like done, you know? And I think that's kind of like 
where we're at. And, but it's fine though. This film, you know, it wasn't a hit, but it was a cult favorite and people fucking love it. And, you know, especially down at the print chart, people fucking love love it. Yeah. Always a favorite, the all nighter. But I, I, I never really understood why people don't like it. So I can't, I can't even really combat, like, you know, with you and I talking about it, like I, it's like, for me, I can't compute because it's like, I like it so much that I think it's just like, it's Fair such enough. a silly movie. Like, and it's so dumb and like, there's a lot of like dramatic bits that are, you know, meant to be sad and stuff. And I get like where it feels like it just kind of comes out of nowhere. Maybe it's only just because Wes Anderson's just making as a reference to something, but that's just what he does. But mm-hmm. I think there's so much about it that I just really enjoy that like I can't really figure out why people just don't like this one. So yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Does. but yeah, yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah. It's a weird one. It's a mixed bag and I, I wish I liked it more. But that's not to say I dislike it because I don't. There's so much of it I do like. And it's and it's good. It's a good one. Yeah. Um and I wanna see if it changes for me over time. Mm-hmm. Um because I would still, you know, this is still I. W- this in the next film is still him peaking for me, though. Yeah. Regardless of what I think of here, it's like this is still the last time I really enjoyed his style. Yeah. Before, before I really think it gets the better of him. I don't think it got the better of him yet. Mm-hmm. At this point, I think it got another good hit left. Yeah. For yeah. me, I don't really know what yeah. the react. The, the next one is the same sort of thing where most people aren't very big on it, but yeah. I am. Um, yeah, yeah. Again, it seemed to, it seemed to be very hit and miss, and I don't really know why you wouldn't like that one. Um, so I'm interested to to rewatch that one. I'm really curious about people's feelings of that one as well, because uh, which we'll talk about in a, just a second, because we need to get to some rankings to properly Rank. close this up. But I don't get it either, Phil, because I like that one. I think, <laughs> but you know, we could save that for a couple weeks. Um, mm. All right, favorite fourth film. This is tough. <laughs> favorite fourth film. It's tough because, <sighs> fuck, dude, I, I really like this film. But I, I know what you're going to say. Oh, so Punch Drunk versus Life Aquatic. Yeah. I'm right Punch Drunk because I know you're going to say yeah. Punch Drunk. But yeah, it's not even interesting anymore. It's just like, I know it's harder for you because you actually enjoyed Punch Drunk, but this is. Something I know you liked before. Yeah. I think like I really love Punch Drunk Love, but I have to go with Life Aquatic because I feel like um the OG. The yeah. OG. And but it's so close. And it, like I was I I'm doing that now. Like I didn't even write it down before. I've like I've had this set up for myself to easily just punch in what we we say, but I told myself before I hit record that I'm not gonna like figure it out until I get to the point and I'll force myself in this situation. And they're also thinking about how we've got quite a few more, uh, the next one's going to be a bit of a joke. And though. I know it's going to, it's going to like, it's, <laughs> well, it's going to be flip. fantastic. Mr. Fucked versus the that's, master. It's dude, like, that's seriously off. the thing. Like, I don't even know if I want to put those against each other. It's a joke at that point. Yeah. yeah. So even the next two, and I love both, but it's like, can you even compare yeah. them to? Yeah, it's it, hard. It's sort of dis- it's a disturbance to both. Yeah, it's hard. But we're gonna. All right, so because it's gonna flip, so that's also the reason why I did it. So there's a uh, three, three for 
West for me now, and then you've got three for PTA. <laughs> One for West, for PTA. All right, cool. Uh, rankings. I was never going to flip. Rankings of the film. So uh, I've I, I I this one beats out the edges out Bottle Rocket just a bit for me. Um, but that's mm. probably those probably going to be like where my favorites sit from now on. Life Aquatic, Bottle Rocket. You have your top. Royal Tenenbaums, Rushmore. Um, and I feel like everything's just going to start dropping under that. Uh, although next week's, or sorry, the next Wes Anderson will be interesting. So where are you on Wes Anderson films? I would put oh, what I have here, Royale, Bottle Rocket, Life Aquatic, Rushmore. Cool. And then I think, but those are, those are good. I think everything after the, after the next Wes Anderson will go nicely underneath Rushmore. <laughs> but we'll see. There's yeah, still a couple I, I remember really liking. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking would be as well. All right, so PTA. PTA is literally just in, in chronological order at this point. I have Punch Drunk, Magnolia, Boogie Night, Heart 8. They literally, each one gets better for me. Yeah, I was also thinking for me it's kind of a struggle because I really actually did like... Um, magnolia a lot like mm. like you know we, we did a really long episode about how much i like that <laughs> film um so go back if you haven't listened to it but uh yeah i i think i i have to agree with you we'll keep that as the same as well i think punch drunk love edges it out because it's a bit shorter and it's really fun and weird and just yeah. silly but magnolia is strong man very strong all right well, that was easy <laughs> we did it all aboard all aboard, we did it without drowning. Our next adventure with the King of Tweed will be jumping on a train. In From India. boat to train. In India. What? What? That train being the Darjeeling Limited. We also might, you know, spend spend a night in a um, I hope we do. But that's the not. Movie is better. Phil, that's not until a couple of weeks because first we head out west in America cause next week come and listen to my story about a man named Dan a poor prospector <laughs> hardly a family man and then one day when he was looking for silver and solitude up from the ground come a bubbling crude oil that is black gold <laughs> Texas tea well the first thing you know old Dan's a millionaire the kinfolk said Dan, move away from there. Said California is the place you ought to be. So he loaded up the Model T and moved to Beverly Hills, that is. Swimming pools, movie stars, the Beverly Hillbillies. It's uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's There Will Be Blood. Because there, there will be blood. be blood. Are you ready for that? Now I am. Right. <laughs> Got the whole backstory. Got Maroon 5 playing. Fucking ready. I gotta stop. I'm dying. See you guys Look. next week. See ya. Bye. I Bye. Just, I just wanted to say hi. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery Main, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs, 
head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.